Today I'd like to uh, address kind of a heavy topic, or at least a very serious topic. We're going to be talking about dealing with despair, depression, and dry spells. Our text today is going to be in the Old Testament book of Psalms, so kind of open up about to the middle of your Bible. You'll probably be in Psalms very close to it. We'll be in Psalm 42, and we're going to read the whole Psalm, Psalm 42. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you may remember that I talked about um, having assurance of salvation and, and some of those things. And as I was, uh, as I was getting into the sermon, I, 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 I mentioned that sometimes we go through periods of life, through seasons of, of, of our Christian walk, when things are just kind of dry. And there's not really a, a, I mean, if you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. It is just a dry season as a Christian, a dry spell. And I noticed that as I mentioned those things, it really seemed to resonate with a lot of people. And I don't know if it's because, just because we've all been there before, or if maybe uh, some of us are in one of those places right now. Uh, but what I'd like to do is deal with dry spells in the Christian life. And by that I mean our Christian walk just seems flat. You all have, have had a two liter of soda that doesn't get sealed up very well. And, and when, you, when you open it up and you're, you're just waiting for that, for that fizz, you know, that carbonation, and you take a big drink and it's flat, it's really disappointing. And sometimes our Christian walk is kind of like that bottle's been left open, isn't it? It's just kind of flat. There's, there's, no, there's no fizz to it. There's no uh, pizzazz, I guess you'd say. And, and, and what, we, what ends up happening is, is we struggle to follow the commands of Christ. We, uh, we don't really want to come to church many times. And uh, if we do, we don't do it frequently. And then when we do come, sometimes we come for the wrong reasons. We just go through the motions. And uh, we'll come, we'll, we'll smile, we'll shake hands. Somebody says, hey, how you doing? And what we say? Fine. And we smile and shake a hand and keep on going. Because frankly, uh, it feels easier to do that than share our struggles with people. We find it hard to read our Bible. We find it hard to pray. We find it hard to do all those things that is wrapped up in the Christian life. And, and I believe this psalm touches on those things, but I notice that the psalm is not just about dry spells. It touches on that, but not only dry spells. This psalmist, is, as you read through here, is going through some bad stuff. He's going through uh, some more than just a dry spell. He is dealing with feelings of despair. And he's very forthright in what he says. And he's dealing with what you might call spiritual depression. Have you ever been there spiritually depressed? And as we work our way through the psalm, I want you to notice that he doesn't wrap it all up in a nice little package. Sometimes we watch TV, we watch movies, and we get to this, this habit of thinking that everything can be resolved in 30 minutes, and by the end of whatever it is, after everything's been dealt with, it fades to black, everybody's smiling, laughing, living happily ever after, but that is not real life. There are some problems that are not resolved in 30 minutes, right? I mean, there are some, some problems that go on and on and on. So this psalm doesn't end with happily ever after. But this psalm ends with the psalmist fighting for joy. And that's where we need to be. And as I said, he is in a rough spot. And he knows that he needs God. So we're going to go on him with this journey to see what we can learn about dealing with despair, depression, and dry spells. Now... I want to make something very clear. When I use the word depression, I'm not talking about something that's rooted in a chemical imbalance. Understand, I am not a doctor. I am not the son of a doctor, and I'm not making a medical diagnosis for any of us. And so when you hear me speaking about this, I am not telling you, stop whatever medications you've been prescribed. Okay, hear what I'm saying. 
What I'm saying is the focus is on those seasons of being down. When we're, when we're dealing with discouragement. And those things often lead to being depressed. And, and sometimes we just can't seem to shake it. Or maybe we have circumstances that are causing us to, to fret and to worry and causing us uh, a feeling of despair. Or as I mentioned before, those, those dry spells. That is the focus of the text. So if you have Psalm 42, I know you've been standing up and sitting down a lot, but uh, one more time is all right. If, you, if you're able to, uh, go ahead and stand, and we'll read Psalm 42. The psalmist says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in, in procession to the house of God, with a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. For he is the help, for the help of his presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan, and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And a song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do, why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Thank you. May be seated. Now, as we start to look at this psalm, there's something I just want to point out, and it's it's very obvious, and and maybe I don't need to point this out, but I, I really think that it's important just to draw our attention to it briefly. And that is, if you are going through a time of despair or depression or a dry spell, you are not alone. You're not alone. Now, I want to point that out because many times when we go through these spells. We feel like, and we know in our own minds, we know on some level that, that this really isn't the case, but many times we feel like we're the only ones that, that are going through it, right? We feel like we're the only ones that are experiencing it right then, or maybe we feel like we're the only ones who ever experienced such a thing. We feel like, well, well uh, all these people that, that I go to church with, all these people that I look up to, all these people I read about in the Bible, they've never dealt with spiritual depression. They must have not dealt with discouragement. They've never dealt with despair of, of this worry and, and fear and doubt and, and all these things that I feel within me. Surely, I'm way down here and everybody else is up here. You ever felt like that? I want to tell you, every Christian, every saint in every age has dealt with these things. Every Christian deals with these things. People in the Bible did. That's why we're reading about one today. I deal with it. You deal with it. The people sitting next to you deal with these things. And I want you to understand, and I want you to feel and, and understand, you have permission to go through it. You have permission to feel that way. Not my permission, but I want you to, to just realize there's not, you're not broken if you feel like this sometimes. That is just a fact of the Christian life. Sometimes we deal with despair. Sometimes we deal with depression and the dry spells. Now if we're going to deal with these things, 
we first need to understand or at least be able to identify some reasons for the difficult circumstances, for these, for these feelings within us. And I don't know what was happening in this psalmist's life. The Bible doesn't tell. But some people think that David wrote this psalm and maybe it was whenever he was running from Absalom. You remember his son, he was trying to usurp the throne. And David, a man after God's own heart, wrote Psalm 23, The Lord's my shepherd, and, and all these wonderful psalms. Many people think that, that Absalom was trying to take over the throne, take the kingdom away from him, and while he was on the run, this is when he wrote it. Some people say, no, this sounds more like the Babylonian uh, exile. And when they were in exile, the, the Babylonians would come and they would taunt the, the Jews and say, sing us a song of Zion. And just kind of rub that salt in the wound. We are in charge, you're not, and, and you're in captivity, we're it, you guys are way down here. We don't know who it is that wrote it. We don't know the particulars. And I'm kind of glad that we don't. Because if, if we were reading this and it was talking about my son has risen up against me trying to take the throne, I'd look at that and say, well, I'm not a king. I don't have a throne. My kids aren't trying to take anything away from me that I know of. Uh, this doesn't apply to me. I, I, I've never been in captivity in Babylon. Maybe this doesn't apply to me either. And so we might look at those things and say, well, that doesn't have a word for me. But all these things are left <clears throat> kind of out in, uh, uh, out, in, out in the open where we, where we don't know what's going on. And I think that's a good thing because then we can apply this to ourselves and we say, yeah, I've been there. I've been in those seasons. So what are some things that cause these seasons? Well, first, uh, one thing that can cause our despair or depression or even a dry spell is tragedy. Tragedy. Now, this makes sense, doesn't it? Because when bad things happen... Many times that it takes our feet out from under us. It feels like there's no solid ground, and 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 that that word tragedy you'll notice in verse in chapter uh, in Psalm 42 is not used in that whole psalm. But I think if we read between the lines of the psalm, we'll see that something tragic has happened. I want you to look again at at uh, at verses four and ten. Look at what they say. These things I remember. Verse four. These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. Uh, uh, for I used to, no, not, not verse 4, sorry, verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Same thing is said at, at the end of uh, verse 10. My adversaries revile me, and they say all day long, where is your God? His enemies are taunting him, where is your God? Now, a taunt only makes sense that bad stuff's happening, right? Now, if he had just gotten a big promotion at work, if he had just gotten a big Christmas bonus, if, if the, the kids were doing good in school and he had good health and, and he got a brand new car, his enemies wouldn't say, hey, where's your God? Because they'd be like, you're being blessed by God, right? But it's these, this, this, some tragedy, some, some bad thing has befallen him, and that's when they take that opportunity to, to kind of to, to, to stick that thumb in the wound and say, where's your God now? You trust in God? Where is he when this bad stuff happens to you? They'll take that opportunity when, when, when bad things happen. So some sort of tragedy or, or, or setback can cause these, these seasons. Associated with that is disappointment. Somebody said that expectation minus reality equals disappointment. And I found that to be true. Sometimes we'll think, well, this is going to happen. And then something else happens. And we're like... I just, I'm so discouraged by it all. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, because you've been, been hoping that a certain thing would happen and it didn't, and then you got discouraged, you got disappointed, 
maybe you've been praying and God didn't answer your prayer the way that you uh, wanted him to and, and, and really, frankly, you got disappointed with God or his providence and it can cause those seasons of despair, of despondency, of depression. The third thing is mocking. It's bad enough when bad things happen. But it's even worse when somebody comes along and, and pokes at it, isn't it? And there are people, and I hope you don't have very many, if, if anybody, but there are people out there, maybe it's at work, maybe in our family, that are hostile to the faith. And they don't, it's not so much that they want to, to hurt us, but they're so hostile to the faith that they'll take any opportunity to throw out a little verbal barb. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes it's, it's, it's not very direct, but sometimes it's more passive-aggressive. But you'll be telling them about something that happened, and they might say something like, yeah, a lot of good prayer did you, huh? And they might say something like, yeah, I don't know where God was at then, do you? And, 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 and that's what was happening with this psalmist. They were, they were mocking him in his time of distress. The fourth thing is what I'll call inner turmoil. Now, the psalmist does not put his, his circumstances in church language, does he? Sometimes we have a, a Christianese and everything. Oh, well, if we get upset, what do we say? Oh, Read my spirit. You know, and we have our own language, our own lingo. The psalmist doesn't say it. The, the psalmist doesn't say, uh, doesn't, doesn't put anything in flowery language. Just look at what he says as, as, you, as you look through here. He says it outright, my soul is in despair. My soul is disturbed. We can identify with that, can't we? We go through those, those seasons, maybe it's just a, a day or a part of a day where we have no peace. And we're just worked up the whole time. And, and I mean, if, if you just picture a body of water, sometimes you, you see those pictures. Or maybe you've been out to a, a lake, and it, the water looks like glass. Everything's calm. And then other times you look out, and there's a storm going on. And what's, what's happening with the water? Boy, it's just all choppy, and waves are going everywhere. And, and there's spray, and, and it's, just, it's just wild. And sometimes we're at peace, everything's all calm. And sometimes we're like that water that's tossed to and fro. And when we're having those times, it's easy for our thought life to get away from us, isn't it? It's easy for us to create so many scenarios about what's happened or what's going to happen or what may happen. Now, now there are many other things that can cause these, these, these periods of time in our life that are not in today's text. But I want to look just very brief, briefly with you at some pictures, some word pictures that he uses to describe, to flesh out his feelings. And I think, again, you'll be able to identify with the pictures. Look again at verse 1. We're going to jump down through several of these. Look at verse 1. He uses the language of thirsting and panting or longing. And the idea here is that of a deer that's being chased by, by a hunter or by hounds. And they're chasing him, and the deer's running just full bore. He's trying to get away, trying to get away, and they just keep chasing him, just dogging him, just more and more and more. Finally, he's exhausted. He can't go any further. He is, he is thirsty, and, and he is longs for a drink, and, and it's like he's, he's, he's feeling, if I don't get a drink, I'm going to die. You ever feel like that? If God doesn't intervene, if I don't feel God's presence, if, if, if something doesn't happen, I'm not going to make it. That's the language that he's using. As this deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you. Verse 3, he uses the language of weeping and crying day and night. And there are times of grief and emotional distress that day and night, tears just, you just can't stop them. Verse 7, the idea here is that of drowning. He talks about 
the, the breakers and waves have rolled over me. And the idea here is that it's like being out in, in the water. You can't touch bottom and, and, and the waves just keep coming. They just keep crashing on you, crashing on you, crashing on you. And, and you just can't keep your head above water. And it feels like you're drowning. And it feels hopeless. And, and you don't feel like you're going to make it. You ever felt like that in, in the Christian life? Verse 9. Look at what he says in verse 9. I will say to, to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? We've been there. We knew better, but it felt like God has turned his back on us. Like he had hidden his face. He seems unresponsive to our prayers. He seems to not care about our plight. Now, were you really forgotten by God? No. But that's the way it feels sometimes. That's the way it feels. Verse 10. He uses the language of being wounded. The psalmist is, is going through some unnamed difficulty, and, and there are people around him who are not looking out for his good. They're not supportive. They're not encouraging. Instead, they take that opportunity to, to rub it in his face. He's going through a bad time. And he says that their words are like a mortal wound. And then verse 11, just a general feeling of unease. He was disturbed. He was disquieted. And this man was going through some stuff. And you might be hearing me today, and you're going through some stuff, too. You identified with all those descriptors. You identified with each of those word pictures, and you probably could come up with, with half a dozen more. So how do we respond to these things? That's really the whole, I mean, it, it's, it's okay to lay out the problem. Now what do we do about it? Well, I just want to look down through and just pull out a few different things that the psalmist does. And I want you to notice, though, the Bible doesn't say, here's what, I, here's what he's going through. Here's how to handle it, A, B, C, D. It's not just a, a bullet point list, but rather these are things that this psalmist was doing personally, and I believe that we can learn from those things. The first thing is remembering where we used to be. Remembering where we used to be. Look at verse 4 again. He said, These things I remember and pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. We need to remember where we used to be. The psalmist remembers his past experiences in worship. Now, a lot of Christians today treat worship as a very a light thing. It's coming together in the Lord's house with the Lord's people, not that big of a priority for them. And then when they do, sometimes they come for the wrong reason. They, you know, we live in the Bible Belt, so people expect me to go to church, so I'll go to church. Maybe it's an obligation. Maybe you've got somebody in your family that, you know, you go to please them because if, if you don't, they're going to be on your case, and it's just easier to go and listen to the preacher for a little bit than have to deal with them. But listen, don't think too lightly of our times together in worship. Those are important times. When we come together as a local church, as a visible example of the body of Christ. We come together as the body of Christ to worship the living God. And in those times of distress, it's good to remember where we used to be. It's good to remember those times in the Lord's presence where, where we can have, where, where we had special communion with the Lord, where we had special communion with the saints. And to go along with that, don't forget in the dark what you learned in the light. Don't forget in the dark what you learned in the light. That is not my terminology. I can't remember who I heard say that, but I thought, man, that's great. Because when we're going through, when we're coming to worship, when we're reading the Bible, and we're doing all these things, and things are going well, we can learn some stuff about God. 
But then when we start walking through that dark valley, sometimes we start to question those things that we learned. Don't forget in the dark what you learned in the light. So, so regardless of, of what your feelings say, trust what the scriptures say. That's what I'm saying. So remember where you used to be. Second, preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. Now notice again what the psalmist says in, in verses uh, 5 and 11. He talks to himself. He says, well, Pastor, I got that one down. I'm, I'm always muttering something to myself. I'm talking about being very specific. Look at what he says in, in verses 5 and 11. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Then verse 11, same thing. Why are you in despair, O my soul? He's talking to himself. And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Now, some of you who are on Facebook, you may have seen that I posted a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones this past week that uh, it was only one line. And when I read it and I read the context of what it was said, I thought, man, that's a great line. And I put it on Facebook. Nobody even liked it one time. And I thought, what's going on? And then I got to look and I thought, well, maybe it's because there's no context to it. Uh, here, here's the fuller quote. He says, have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you're listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they are talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday, etc. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now this man's treatment, in Psalm 42, this man's treatment was this. Instead of allowing his self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. Why art thou cast down on my soul, he asked. His soul had been depressing him, crushing him. So he stands up and says, Self, listen for a moment. I will speak to you. And I thought that was just a great insight. Many of our problems come because we're listening to ourselves instead of talking to ourselves. I read a quote just this morning that uh, Teddy Roosevelt was attributed to saying, that, and I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something to the effect of, if you could kick in the pants the person that's responsible for most of your problems, you wouldn't sit down for a month. That's the same basic things what Dr. Jones is saying here, right? I mean, sometimes our, our thoughts get away from us, and we have, does anybody have an internal dialogue? I have an internal, some people say I have an internal monologue. I have a dialogue. Because I talk about things to myself. Sometimes I talk about myself to myself. And I don't know if you all do that or not, but sometimes, sometimes self uh, has some, some good arguments that I don't put in place. And as long as it may sound, sometimes we need to talk to ourselves and we need to preach to ourselves. And that's exactly what this, what this uh, is talking about. Matthew Henry wisely noted, those that commune much with their own hearts will often have to chide them. Now, our thoughts can run away in a heartbeat and lead us into despair and, and worry, and it can increase those feelings exponentially. And when that fear rises up and, and sadness overtakes us, when we're discouraged, when we're in a spiritually dry place, we need to remember the truth of the gospel. You say, well, Pastor, I don't know. I'm not a preacher. I haven't been to seminary. I haven't been to, to, to Bible college. What should I preach to myself? I'm going to give you just a few verses. I'm going to read them, 
You can read these to yourself. You can. You don't have to say them out loud to yourself. You can just say them in your mind. You can say them. You can. You can proclaim these things. Romans chapter eight, verses thirty-one to thirty-nine. Here's what the apostle Paul says. And and when we're we're in these spots, I just want you to to think about how this would affect you. Here's what he says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, and he know this part, right? Who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not with, also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? In other words, who's going to condemn the same person? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Jesus is praying for you as a Christian. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution? We say, oh, well, I feel like God has left me out in the cold. What, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it's written, for your sake, we're being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, if you're in a dry place, if you are in despair, that should be a word of encouragement to you. You should read that and say, Hallelujah. Praise God that everything else is falling down around me, but I've got Jesus. Preach the gospel to yourself. The next thing I want you to see is look forward. Look at verses 5 and 11 again. When we're in those times, we don't feel like we have anything to look forward to. It seems like things are hopeless, but remember, this too shall pass. That's what does he say in verses 5 and 11. He says, why are, you, why are you all worked up? I shall again praise him. He's looking forward. This too shall pass. Now, of all the people who could feel discouraged and despondent and all those other words, it would be Job, right? You remember Job? He, he, was, he was a righteous man. And yet, for God's own purposes, he allowed calamity to come on Job. And in Job 19, I'm going to read just a, a verse or two out of that. But when we get to Job 19, what's happened is all of his kids died in one day. Imagine that. Just that alone would be horrible. On the same day as that happened, his, all of his livestock were either stolen or died in the field. So he's had all that financial investments gone. His livelihood's gone because that's, that's, how, they, that's how they had a living. Then he lost his, his physical health. He was in pain, physical agony. So much so his wife looked at him and encouraged him, just curse God and die with a friend like that. Then he had friends come over who came over to sit with him and to console him. But they ended up blaming him for all the things that happened to him. All these calamities are your fault, they said. And here's his response in Job 19. He said, As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and that at last he will take his stand on the earth even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I will see God whom I myself shall behold and whom my eyes will see and not another, my heart faints within me. 
Job looked ahead to a day still future to him when he would stand before God. He said, this terrible stuff is happening, but one day my faith is going to be made sight. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that is a hope that every Christian has. You say, bad stuff's happening. There is a hope beyond this life. This is not the end. Verse 8. Here's another response. Verse 8 is to sing. Look at what verse 8 says. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. Now, we don't know what song the psalmist was singing. We know it wasn't just the top praise and worship songs of 2019. It wasn't uh, just the age-old hymns that he'd grown up with. Uh, but notice verse 8 says he was singing his prayer. In fact, some people have suggested that Psalm 42 itself is the prayer that he was singing. We don't know for sure, but sometimes... Well, and you know this about me. I'm not an eloquent person. I, I don't speak well. I put things bluntly. I say things poorly. And some of us are like that, and we have all these feelings that rise up inside of us, and we don't have words to put it into. Sometimes music and those creative people who have penned these lyrics, they can express things that we feel in ways that we can't come up with. And we say, yes, those are my words. That's for me. And sometimes, many times, those songs, even if they're not the happy, upbeat songs that are real life, those can serve as an encouragement, can't they? Sing. Finally, last thing, is thirst for God. Thirst for God, and we're going to end where we began. When we are in a time of despair or spiritual depression or going through a dry spell, honestly, you may not thirst for God. Honestly, you may not even want to thirst for God. You may not even think that it sounds appealing to thirst for God. And it's in those times especially that we must work at and strive for setting our affections on Christ. And that means when things are going badly, that's not the time to quit reading your Bible. When things are going badly, that is not the time to quit coming to church. When things are going badly, when you're in a dry spell, that's not the time to cut yourself off from spiritual nourishment. Because those are the times you need those things the most. And so try with all that's within you to focus on Him, to thirst for Him. And as you continue to do that, as God will bring you through the dark valley, and He will do that, He'll bring you through and you will be all the stronger for it. Folks, every one of us deals with dry spells, with despair, with discouragement, with depression. And God in his wisdom inspired this psalm to instruct us. You'll notice the, the heading of verse 42 says it is a masculine. That is a Hebrew word that means to make wise or to give instruction. God intended this psalm to instruct us, to make us wise. It gives us wisdom in dealing with those things. So how do we do it? Remember where we used to be. Don't forget... In the dark, what you learn in the light, preach the gospel to yourself, look forward, sing, and thirst for God. All those are ways we can fight for joy. There are ways that we can fight the fight of faith. And I just wonder, are you in one of those places today? I just want to encourage you, you are not alone. There may be somebody sitting right next to you. You don't have any idea what's going on in their life. You don't have any idea what's going on in their hearts. 
They could be so discouraged. They're ready to throw in the towel, and you don't know a thing. Don't think that you're alone, because you're not. But also remember, this too shall pass. God will bring you through to the other side, so don't give up. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come? As you stand, I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. I just wonder what's going on in your life. Maybe, maybe it's something your even your closest friend, your spouse, whoever it is. Maybe they don't even know what's going on. Maybe you're just like, you know, Pastor, I am so discouraged this morning. I'm so depressed. I'm so, I'm in despair. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm worried fretful I gave you six things and I know that I'm not saying if you'll just do these things poof everything's going to be great that's not reality fighting for joy is a real battle fighting to keep going to, to keep our faith to fight the fight of faith that is a battle and I want to encourage you in it Maybe you've come through those times, you've come out on the other side, and you're here as a living testament to the fact that God will bring you through. Pray for that person that's in that, that valley today. Pray for the person that's in the dark spot, the spot that you remember being in. You remember the sadness. You remember that feeling of despair, of being disquieted, of of, of having a disturbed soul. And with the psalmist, you can say, Why are you in despair, O my soul? He doesn't stop there. He looks forward and says, I will praise the Lord. And this has been a word specifically for Christians. Because if you are not a Christian today, a big part of this doesn't apply to you. You're still going to have the trials. You're still going to have the heartache. You're still going to have the bad stuff in life happen. But you've got nobody to go through it with you. The Bible says that there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And that's the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, getting saved doesn't fix it doesn't make everything all better all of a sudden and also getting saved is not to get you some help in going through bad stuff the reason you should come to God is because you recognize that you're a sinner against him if, that, if the Holy Spirit convicts you of that sin and you realize that, that you are a sinner against God that you have no hope apart from Christ the Bible says if you will repent and believe on him, you'll be saved. That's the reason to get saved, to be made right with God. If you've never done that, I would love to talk to you and share with you from the scriptures how that can happen. Our Heavenly Father, 
Lord, so many times we, as Christians, become almost superstitious. That if we will just read our Bibles a certain number of minutes a day or, or, or a certain number of times a week, if we go to church a certain number of times a month, if we give a certain amount a year, if we do whatever, everything's going to be good. Lord, we know that you cause your sun to shine and your rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. And both good things and bad things befall the Christian and the non-Christian. God, I pray that you'd help us. I lift up the, the ones who maybe are going through those dry spells where nothing... It just seems like their prayers are going nowhere, like you are just not uh, listening to them, like uh, the scriptures are, are, don't come alive to them. They're, it's just such a, a dry spell, and like that deer that pants for the water. God, I pray that you'd help them to thirst for you. Lord, for the person maybe who's going through such a, a difficult time, maybe it's an inward turmoil, the depths of which only you and, and them know. God, I pray that you would encourage that person that you'd wrap your arms around them and let them feel your love. Let them know that you will bring them through. Help them to hold on and hold out. God, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, I pray that you would Draw them to yourself. We ask these things in Jesus' name.